0: iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. All right, good evening, and welcome back to the Apple Store SoHo. We're really pleased you could join us for tonight's Meet the Filmmaker event. Uh, So tonight, we couldn't be more pleased to have the stars and director of the new comedy, Did You Hear About the Morgans? The film follows a highly successful Manhattan couple, Merrill and Paul Morgan, whose almost perfect lives have only one notable failure, their dissolving marriage. After witnessing a murder, their lives and relationship are further challenged as they are whisked away from the big city to a tiny Wyoming town, having been relocated as part of the witness protection program. Our guests, Sarah Jessica Parker, Hugh Grant, and director Mark Lawrence will be out in just a moment to discuss the making of the film and also take questions from you, the audience, as part of a moderated discussion. this time please join me in welcoming stars of the film did you meet the Morgans did you hear about the Morgans Sarah Jessica Parker Hugh Grant and director Mark Lawrence
1: hello I will ask the most important question first Did you guys intentionally match your jackets His and her outfits as a married couple.
2: I don't think your microphone works. (laughs) Can anyone hear her? Can you hear Donna?
1: Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah,
3: see? It works. I can't. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps Meryl would like to
1: address that question.
3: Um, We don't even have to discuss it anymore. Ah, It's telepathic at this point. We are so psychically attuned. Uh, Just a nice, lucky coincidence. Yes. Uh, what are we doing? We're matching?
2: <laughs> yes, we are matching. It's very, we're a very touching couple in real life and in cinema. Yeah.
1: Mark, how did you know that these two would get along, would work together on screen as a couple? Did you know?
4: <laughs> no, I didn't, and I'm still not completely convinced. Uh, how did I know? Um, I knew from their first uh, meeting in London... Um, not not their first meeting because they had worked together in another movie, yes, and um, which I I, I I didn't see. I've never seen, and maybe I should have watched before, but um, I, I I hadn't seen that. But then they met in London, and uh, it went very well. So I, I got a report about how well it went. That's that's when I knew there would be terrific chemistry.
1: Are there any details from this from this meeting that you care to share?
4: <laughs> Um, yeah, somehow they both um, came up with a plan that they would meet, because everyone I was waiting in the studio was waiting to find out <clears throat> what would happen when these two huge movie stars sat down to, to eat dinner together. <laughs> and so the report that we got back was that it had gone um, horribly. Um, Hugh had sexually harassed SJ. Um, was <laughs> was just it, it, was, it was really traumatizing, and it was something that they thought would be fun. Um, I've never forgiven either of them and trusted them or really anyone else since that that meeting.
1: Well, how did the two of you develop your rapport as a couple?
2: Can I just say...
1: Yes, you can.
2: We sent these emails to Mark, who I've known for many years, three films, Mm -hmm. and other people I've known for a very long time in Los Angeles, jokingly saying that I'd sexually assaulted her... (laughs) And made racist remarks, and been uh, very drunk, and they all completely believed it, every word. And even when Mark called me and said, "I can't believe you did that," I said, "No, I didn't. I didn't. We've told you it's a joke." He still didn't believe me. Doesn't believe me to this day.
1: So you you'd done two movies with a guy, and you you, I know this is the third one, but at that point you'd worked with him twice, and you you fully believed it.
4: I had very little trouble believing it, yes. That's that was that was sad, I think, about the two of us. Said, now, hey. I was very I was very protective of SJ who I had just yeah. met, but um, you know I knew what he was capable of. So.
1: Hugh, you were very nice to me yesterday, I'm shocked.
2: Uh, I can do that. But I don't mean it. The whole lunchtime I was hating you. <laughs> No, that's
1: not true. <laughs> but how did the two of you build your rapport? Because you're very believable as this bickering on the outs married couple.
3: Um, how did we? Well, we had a two days of rehearsal in which to build a lifetime of rapport.
2: Yeah, well, you, you again have skipped over uh, extreme <laughs> measures, which was this thriller we did together. We made a film together thirteen years ago which Sarah Jessica claims to have forgotten about <laughs> completely, which I find hurtful, because I produced it, and uh, it meant a lot to me. It was my attempt to be something other than a romantic comedy person. It was a thriller, and 17 people worldwide saw it.
3: So, well, then a lot of our work was done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I, no, we bonded. I, uh, we bonded over fear, didn't we? At the beginning yes, of the film, yeah, yes, that we, was nice. We were
3: both very n- nervous and worried about being good, or that, that's what you told me. And I was charmed and and comforted by by your pathological. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and fear manifested itself in different ways. You were actually green. I've never seen a green actress before. <laughs> and I, my rogue armpit,
3: <laughs> was
2: schwitzing. I only swept from one armpit. But it was out of control. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And then it's a little bit like Stockholm Syndrome. You know, they break you down. No, I... I I don't know that we intentionally worked on anything. We had a really wonderful script with great scenes, um, you know, some... Nice, complicated subject matter to dance around. And, um, and I'm, I, 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 I arrived very fond of Hugh's work um, and wanted very much to be deserving of being there and wanted to work hard. And, and it was very easy, frankly, to...
2: It was lovely. It was genuinely lovely. And in so much so that we only wanted to be in two shots together all the time. <laughs> we never wanted to be in close-ups. And we asked um, Mark to shoot us that way, and um, you never did.
4: (laughs) There's a couple. Yeah, very
2: few, very few.
1: (laughs) What surprised each of you about working with the other person that you didn't expect? Mm
3: -hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Should we go clockwise, or...?
2: Mark has no surprises left for me. uh, (laughs) I'm frankly bored of him. Um, uh, Sarah Jessica... Well, she's full of surprises. Um, She's tiny, but she eats more than any human being I've ever come across (laughs) in my life. Literally anything. Put anything in front of her and it's gone within three seconds. Half woman, half locust. (laughs) And also an extraordinary appetite for useless information. Uh, She'll say, so explain to me exactly how does the English golf handicap system differ from the American golf handicap system? And you say, you, you can't possibly be interested in that. She says, No, I am, I am. So you tell her, and she's got it, she memorizes the whole thing. She can regurgitate it just when you're least <laughs> expecting it. That's my...
3: What about you, Mark? I wish I'd asked that. I've been meaning, I've been wanting to know.
4: <laughs> Do you want to explain that to all of us now here? <laughs> Um, what, did I, what do I find... What was the question?
1: At this point, what surprised you about Hugh for your third movie and what surprised you about working with Sarah, Jessica?
4: Um, let's see. With Hugh, I just never knew that I could love a man this deeply. Um, <laughs> that's, that's really it. Each, each movie, it just grows um, deeper and more profound. Um, and um, with SJ, let's see. Well, this was the first time that, that we had um, worked together. So um, I find her rhythms very interesting. I don't know whether we ever discussed this. So she would do um, readings on lines that, you, that um, I would expect to hear a certain way, and then she had a completely different rhythm, which I uh, liked better than what I had had imagined. So I both went with that, and then in whatever rewrites we were doing, in, in my head, tried to sort of go that way. We've never discussed this, but, but I hope you find it charming. I'm sorry. So, uh. <laughs>
1: And what about you, Ms. Parker?
3: Well, I I hadn't worked with Mark. I had heard very glowing reports of Mark from some of my friends who had worked with him in New York on movies. And um, both, both Mark and Hugh sort of present themselves in advance of actual real intimate working conditions. And Mark pretends... That he's sort of half involved, that he doesn't really know a lot. There's a sort of, um, I, I can't really explain it except that it's a very sort of humble approach. And and um, he is very nice, and he's incredibly kind, but he's very, very intuitive about what an actor needs. He's one of the most insightful directors I've worked with, and gave me some of the the best and most helpful notes and it was only surprising because he basically s- said I'm an idiot and I don't n- and I know nothing and he is um incredibly uh, involved and opinionated and strong and um and uh has an enormous, he, ha, he has a lot of tenacity, and he's, he's really not the person that he, 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 he is. He's, he's lovely. But he's also a real leader in his own way, and I loved it and was happily surprised by it. And I loved working for him. And Hugh, um, similarly, well, misrepresents himself that he will be sort of awful to be around all day and that he's, you know, grumpy and doesn't really love being an actor very much or making movies and that he is difficult and the list goes on and on. And, um, and he's really incredibly conscientious and really committed and works very, very hard on the script and takes rehearsal more seriously than most actors I've worked with and would happily do take after take after take after take and um, was always good, always completely invested and always completely winning and not at all the sort of cavalier, I have to show up, I'm grumpy, I'm awful, tried to know everybody's name on the crew, yeah. treated, treated people very well,
0: yeah.
3: punctual, Punctual, And let me tell you... That's rare. That
1: is rare for the men. <laughs> what do you think his appeal is to the ladies? Because the ladies love him some Hugh Grant.
3: God, I don't know. I've never thought of him as appealing. I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, um, do, uh, ladies across the globe or American women?
1: American. We'll speak for New York women.
3: I think that... Um, Everyone I have met, or spoken to, or know that adores Hugh Grant is because he's—he uh, is a thinking like he presents intellect and, you know, his personal physical attributes um, that are just purely DNA that he has, can't claim any of. Just good luck <laughs> and. Um,
2: I thought this is excruciating. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Honestly. Let's move on.
1: Moving on to the next yeah. one. Mark, you're a New Yorker? So are you? You are not, but that's okay. Uh, what can you talk a little bit about shooting in New York at least for the first part of the film? Yeah. You shot in my neighborhood. Yeah.
4: So shot in Shooting in New York, um, yeah, I love shooting in New York. I hate leaving the city. I hate leaving my apartment. So, um, so uh, it was, it was is, great. Is it true to that you wanted?
2: To, it's true you wanted to shoot Wyoming in Central Park.
4: <laughs> I did investigate and see whether or not we could just use green screens and, and never have to leave. And some for some reason, writing the script, had never occurred to me we'd actually have to go there. No one was more disappointed than I was. Um, and the movie I did before this was we shot in my building, largely so. Um, uh, I, I love shooting in New York, um, and I, I don't get lost, and I know my way around. My, I have doctors on virtually every corner. Uh, I, I, um, and it's, it's uh, the crews are great, but, you, but you, know, you do a couple movies here, you know most of the people in the crew. It feels like family. They're the best crews in the world. And also the other thing that's great about shooting a movie here is when you go... To cast for a movie like this, even the smaller parts, the day players, or people doing two days' work, you get these incredible people coming in who are coming in off Broadway and and, and just you know, just absolutely so sure of themselves and their craft, and it makes the movie better and go um, more quickly. It's just uh, it's a thrill. So those are those are some of the reasons I love shooting here.
1: And for you, it's just a cab ride to the set, which I'm sure is a nice change from you know flying to LA. Um,
3: yeah, I haven't shot a movie anywhere else for a long time so I, you know it's just such a privilege to shoot here and it's different every time it's it felt you know being on the streets with this movie felt different than other movies i've shot here and new neighborhoods i've not been to and um, it's it's hard to shoot in new york for a lot of obvious reasons which makes it just that that much more special that you know you can actually get it done and um yeah i I, you know i i love being here and it's kind of a a, a dream your characters
1: obviously go undercover in this and assume another identity both of you are incredibly famous people if you could assume any identity for 24 hours what would it be
2: well i quite like to be a girl i But that's an English thing. We all like that. (laughs) Quite pretty, quite dressed up.
1: Any specific girl or just a pretty dressed up girl?
2: I'd like to be called Wendy.
3: (laughs) 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 And you too, coincidentally,
1: right? Want to be a girl called Wendy?
3: Uh, No. No. Um, I always wish that I could have... Worked in the dugout of, like, Mets or the Yankees, you know, just as a ball boy. Just somebody worked in the dugout.
2: What would you do in the dugout? What do you mean?
3: I would fetch the bats for the players and make sure they had everything they needed and the Gatorade tank was filled up and they had the proper cloths, you know, to wipe... Cloths? Th- cloths, you know, to wipe their hands off. You, baseball, no, so you know anything about baseball. Nothing about baseball, do you?
2: Well, I, I, did, I, w- I did a baseball scene in Mark's um, film with Bullock.
3: I'm sorry. We went to the Mets. <laughs> Of course you
2: Sorry, did. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I know all about it now. We tell everyone what, what what's happened to what, Mo Vaughan? Yeah,
4: what, that very, very fat oh, one. What's Mo happened Vaughan. to
3: him?
2: I love the way that some of the players were so fat they made the stadium shake when they ran around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and before we turn uh, this over to the audience to ask some questions, I want to ask both, actually all three of you. You've done a lot of great romantic comedies, there's so many made that don't work. What do you think makes one work? What have you learned?
2: I have two interest, very interesting things to say about this. Because uh, I get a lot of romantic comedy scripts. And the two things that are very rare, and which you have to have, one is it's actually got to be funny. Um, so with Mark, we got that rewritten. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and the other is that when it comes to the love bit, the romance bit, it's got to be the real thing and not some synthetic version. I sometimes get scripts where you think, yeah, someone in Hollywood has sort of put the love in because the girls are like that. But with Mark and with um, Richard Curtis, who I did those films with, they both, um, you'd never believe it to look at Mark, but uh, I think love actually is important to them and him. And I think that, uh, it, if it's authentic, if it's the real thing, the, f- the film has a sort of um, has a, a depth that otherwise they, that, they lack. Uh, and I, I think this film, you know, apart from just being a funny uh, fish-out-of-water comedy, is about... Uh, it is about love. It's about whether love can survive marriage. Um, it didn't in, in Mark's case, but... <laughs> no, that's not true. He's very, very happily married, and I think, it's it's in a way, it's a hymn to marriage, isn't it, Mark?
4: Um, yes, I would say so, absolutely. A hymn to marriage and bears and bulls, yes, uh, yes. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to do. I mean, good romantic comedies are, I think they're, it's deceptive because I think people, Louder. Um, uh, it's deceptive. Um, I think uh, people, viewers, critics often look at romantic comedies as some secondary form. Um, and if you look at the really, really good ones, I think they're the hardest things to do. Um, and I think, uh, as Hugh said, just by the definition of romantic comedy, it's, it's very difficult to be truly romantic and funny in a movie, and there's eight billion things that have to happen correctly to make a really, really good one. And um, you can do everything right and have the script right and have the right actors, and you still have to have a, bit, a little bit of luck and lightning in a bottle or whatever they um, call it. But I think it's um, incredibly difficult, and there's really, you know, there's a handful of truly great ones. Including this. So, so.
1: <laughs> and do you think you can fake chemistry, or do you have to? Do the actors have to have it?
4: I personally can fake chemistry, but um, <laughs> I've been doing it for years with my wife. Um, but um, no, I don't think you can fake it. I don't. I, I think um, you know the camera's kind of right here, and. Um, and the chemistry is so much it it's it's about looks and facial expressions it's not it's it, it as much or sometimes even more than what's written on the page and i i I don't think that there's a way that you can um, fake that I think um, Hugh and s j actually really liked each other there certainly are legendary stories about great great beloved romantic comedies where the two people in them um, would have willingly exchanged gunfire um, and uh, so I don't think that They have to like each other necessarily but i I don't think that you can fake the chemistry
1: well i'm sure you guys have some questions lady in the blue
3: i have a lot of questions but i wanted to ask you mark um taking the leap from being a writer to then also being a director how difficult was that for you
1: and also who were the filmmakers who really inspired you um you know before you started really with your career.
4: Okay, I heard the second part, which was filmmakers who really inspired me. And the first part was... Was
1: going from a writer to a director.
4: Oh, going from a writer to a director. Um, going from a writer to a director was, was easy. I, I had done a bunch of films which I would written and produced before I started directing. And it's hard for writers on sets because you're watching and you see something you'd like to change or rewrite or discuss. And you're trying to you know what what's the exact perfect moment to talk to the director. And... Um, so now I, I really just get to have those discussions with myself. And and if I if there's something I want to rewrite or change, I can I can go and do it. So I, I for me it's actually a lot easier. It was much more stressful being a writer on a set than it is writing and directing. And in terms of the people who inspired me, I mean it's 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 a long, long list and I'm sure a list that's shared by a lot of people here, but for for romantic comedies you know just to name a few obviously Billy Wilder don't I don't think you can make a better movie than The Apartment Um, and 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 um, you know of course uh, Woody Allen for I would say for most comedy writers of my generation Annie Hall was sort of a um, Rosetta Stone and um, a lot of the Jim Brooks movies are movies I love broadcast news is one of my favorite films of all time so those are those are a few
3: hi
2: um, I just have a, a short question. I wanted to know, is there like a scene you really liked
3: or like a scene you really enjoyed filming, like a funny one? Do you, did you have a favourite one? or I didn't hear. Oh, is there a scene that we particularly enjoyed filming? Oh, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, r- I like very much the scenes, the, the real scenes that are two and three... Sometimes four pages, you know, where you can really talk to another person, preferably Hugh, for a while, and um, I, I, that sounds i can't i 'm not explaining it well, but I just I like the scenes where you can really work and and i don 't know act and and talk about things that are more important to the story, you know the relationship I, I prefer them to some of the. The s- smaller kind of quippy stuff sometimes is very hard, and it, it's there's too much. It's they're it's, they're so precious, and, and and sometimes you just, well, I c- can get more lost in a real scene that we can just do. It's over much and over easier again. when there's some
2: momentum, isn't it mm-hmm. It's a bit more like the theatre. You get some pace going, and those little scenes that are an eighth of a page, and you just got to walk on and say something funny and get off. They're a nightmare. It's too much pressure. Yeah, agree with that. But, Mark, did we actually enjoy any moment of filming? I no, I'm trying remember. to think of a uh, scene right. also that I—it's much easier for I me. I liked
3: it so much doing all the Fallujah stuff, and I liked the vows, and I liked, I our, liked the, the, the jogging in yes. the mouse scene, and I liked all the scenes in, in I like the I like the scenes
2: now, <laughs> but at the time... Actually, we were in a good mood doing the mouse scene. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. That was nice. I remember the scenes that I didn't like shooting
4: more, yes. uh, honestly. It's easier for me to remember the ones that were sort of torture. Yeah.
1: Which, which were the toughest for you, Mark?
4: Well, it wasn't just about me. I mean, it is mostly about me. But, but it, was, it was me vicariously experiencing their <laughs> pain, unhappiness, uh, or thinly veiled hostility. Um, so uh, what were some of the worst? The hard, I, I, I think the scenes are, are, are actually good in the film. The, the rain scenes were truly,
2: I, I'd say, torturous. No? It didn't bother me that Really? Much. Okay, I'm wrong. It didn't bother me at the time, it bothers me now. It yeah. was a scene in the rain. Well, it was wet and it was cold. Right, and it was... F- fake rain, but I, what I don't know how you achieved now that I see the film completed is that we walk along the street looking like a perfectly normal couple. We turn the corner and the next time you see us, my head is twice the size of a normal head and hers is half the size of a normal head. Suddenly it's a pumpkin talking to A, a peanut.
4: It's a comedy, and we <laughs> thought, you know, it was a visual effects thing we could try to s- kind of spruce up the scene. But these guys were out there. We thought it would be warmer then. I can't remember when we shot it. But we...
3: March 16th.
4: March no, 16th. Was, wow. Is that somebody's birth? That's crazy. Um, so it was, was it in March? I don't remember. When it, yeah. So we thought it would be warmer. And then these guys had to walk on the street and they had to be dressed as if it were spring. And when you make it rain through these contraptions that we have, these big towers, you, there's no way to warm up the water. So it was absolutely freezing and raining on these guys. And then, and then it got worse because after you left, we had, if you see the film, there's a guy who falls from a balcony. And this poor stunt guy, and he, he falls and then he falls. Um, after he falls, he's lying face down on the street and uh, we wanted to get a shot from above of him lying face down. So he had to lie there for 15, 20 minutes and then he developed hypothermia. And it was just, it was you guys were gone by that point but it felt, it felt so terrible. So that was one. And then the other one that I remember was, the, was, was something that I actually cut out of the film which was your favorite, the, the, the chase scene on the fake. Um,
3: the horse chase. The, the horse the contraption car, the car fake horse face.
4: thing, yeah. That was, that was unhappy. Dude, these yeah. guys really can't wait to see the film now. You just say, uh-huh. it's fantastic.
2: Well, you know, the, the, the horse chase scene has been cut because we, Sarah Jessica and I weren't just medium bad. We were shocking in it. I'm um, sorry, because I, mean, I think you're excellent in the film, but you, you're terrible in that scene. Um, not at acting, but at pretending you're on a horse. It's a, fake, it's a thing with a fake horse's head at the front and then a kind of two saddles and the, the trick in it, and it gets towed along by a truck. And the trick is to mime you're on a horse. And for someone from Greenwich Village and someone else from Hammersmith, it's, it's a hard mime. But, and I overact really badly in these shots. doing this massive acting. And then on the back, looking like she's having a cup of tea, not moving at all, Sarah Jessica Parker. And um, it was meant to be a climactic chase scene
4: it's a, it's think, a, it's a rough scene when you have Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker in a scene and the best thing in the scene is a fake horse head yeah.
3: <laughs> but I think what's funny about it is the hopes were so high for that scene it, it, it turned it, oh it was going to be thrilling that there was one point that you were thinking about opening the movie with that scene
4: I tried and yeah. then
3: you saw the dailies <laughs> like perhaps it shouldn't even be in the movie
4: oh <laughs> <laughs> well, lordy
1: this is a question for all three of you. You were talking before about the the fun of shooting in New York. Can you share some of the more memorable experiences when you were shooting on location out of the city and, I guess, sort of in the same vein of what you were just talking about, any particularly memorable bloopers that happened during some of these more elaborate setups?
2: Well, you may have heard that there was a bear. <laughs>
4: uh,
2: Not in New York. Yeah. New, I could barely bring to myself to tell this story because it's been told so often. <laughs> It's a bit like telling a story to a five year old <laughs> um, but there was a bit be- there's a scene with a bear, and um we-, we go jogging on our first day out in wyoming and and on the way back, a bear looms out of the bushes and threatens me and um we used a real bear we used an acting bear uh, called Bart who's done uh, about thirty films and um They give you this lecture before it starts about how terrifying the bear is and how it wants to eat you. And you mustn't look it in the eye and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But it's just not true. Bart was a bigger prima donna than any actor or actress I've ever worked with in my life. Took about an hour to come out of his trailer. Wanted to be brushed, wanted to be shampooed. And then when he came out, he had to have a lot of praise. I mean, really a lot. If he did anything right, The whole crew had to applaud, and he had to be given his special treat, which was 13 consecutive cans of iced tea, one after another, from his crazy trainer, who'd trained him for the last 15 years since he was a cub. And Bart had become, consequently, half-human, and the trainer had become (laughs) half-bear. It was hard to have faith in his security measures. Especially as he kept yelling at his two sons, who were his assistants. Do you remember that? Big fights were happening all around us, and there was a eight-foot grizzly bear looming over me.
4: Yeah, no, it was the most dysfunctional family I'd ever seen. I mean, including Bart. It was, it was. Yeah. uh, And they did things like they set up these wires when when they first came out with the bear. Everyone was terrified. I stood. They wanted me and Hugh to go down and meet Bart, and I stood behind him, and that they. <clears throat> they bring Bart out and then the whole crew, everybody's terrified, most of the crew's from New York. And it's, it's a huge animal. So they come out to give us this the safety speech, which is supposed to calm us down. And everything in the speech is that, that's ostensibly there to calm you down. Does nothing but terrify you. Because every piece of information was like, now Bart, he can feel your energy, he can feel your vibration. So so if you're tense, that's gonna make him tense. So you just have to project calm. So now everyone's completely, you know, trying to project calm. So you can't look him in the eye. You don't want to look him in the eye. And no sudden movements. Because if you move suddenly, that triggers his, you know, eat a crew member response, whatever it was. So now everybody's trying to act calm, not look him in the eye, not move suddenly. You've never seen a group of people more terrified. Nobody knew what to do. Just standing there. So, So, and then... When he finally came out, um, we didn't realize how neurotic Bart was. That's the thing, once that dawned on us, then we started to relax. Like, he had things where, I don't know, you know, we place his mark, that little X, you know, actors, where they're supposed to go to, and I guess it was too close to the lights or something. He didn't like it, so he went over there and moved his mark back. Normally, if an actor did that, I'd argue with them, but he, you know, he, he, was, he was kind of on his own doing that stuff. Um, and it turned out he was just completely neurotic and the trainers were neurotic with him and then they were, they were crying afterwards because they thought he hadn't... D- it was... We may have shot the wrong thing. <laughs> I think it was really... We should have gotten that, that family.
2: Right up here in the back, right in front of all of you.
1: Just a quick question. Would you like to attempt again something outside of a uh, proverbial um, comfort zone of romantic comedies? Anything like drama or uh, dark comedy? And it's more to Hugh and Sarah Jessica.
2: I'm never leaving my comfort zone. I'm, I'm very limited as an actor. Uh, I wouldn't inflict it. I mean, I I said earlier I did this thriller. No one liked it. No one found it thrilling. Um, I actually... Well, I will say two things. One is romantic comedies are not easy. They're very difficult, in my defense. And the other is that... Um, uh, I don't, I I'd certainly don't believe when people say, don't you ever want to do any serious acting, that serious is is better. I think serious is just different. And uh, if you had to choose which is harder, w- w- comedy is harder. Comedy is more challenging. Comedy should get the prizes before um, the deep, dark, serious stuff, in my opinion.
3: I just try to make the best decisions based on <laughs> whatever is presented to me. I I, I you know. I, I like very much romantic comedies. They're very hard to do well. They're easy to do badly and it takes a lot of thought and effort to make it look effortless and to make people assume that it came easily and so you know, I'd like to work with good, interesting people that I'm excited about. I believe we have time for two
1: more questions. Okay. I have one back here for you.
0: Hi, I'm Chelsea. I'm a huge fan of both of yours. Um, you both have participated, all Star in um, quite a few romantic comedies. And I was wondering, in your spare time, what romantic comedies you both like watching?
2: Uh, romantic comedies I watch? Well, let me see. I... I do now watch Sex and the City quite a lot. Um,
1: I I do have to ask, are you making a cameo in the next movie, by chance?
2: No, I I auditioned, but Uh, I failed. okay, okay. All right, go ahead, sorry. Um, I had never really seen very much of it before. I'd seen glimpses, but I didn't like the look of it. I don't like when girls talk that kind of stuff amongst themselves. It's upsetting. but then in uh, New Mexico, there was a hotel which had a televisions, only about four channels, and one of them just showed wall-to-wall Sex and the City. So that's I, I got very into it then, and um, became an addict. And I used to email Sarah Jessica, who was in the next door room, saying, um, "I love your heels tonight," and uh, you know, got worried about Mr. Big. I like it now. I like I like it, but I like it. I love the way it looks as well. I still don't like it when they talk about you know stuff that boys should be talking about I don't like it
1: I completely understand
2: yeah um
3: the question what what, what What romantic comedies do you watch um I love Albert Brooks movies um I. you mentioned Woody Allen um Preston Sturgis love the way we were I think should be viewed at least two to three times a year Masterclass. Um, I can never think of think of these things when I'm meant to. I'll um, I'll email out my list to the iTunes store. Uh, one more question one more back question? here.
1: Okay. This is uh, related to the previous questions. Among the romantic comedies that um, you did, which one is your favorite? Because uh, personally, I love Sex in the City, of course, and for you, I love um, Love Actually.
2: The ones we've made—is that with the question? Which ones we like best? Oh gosh. Uh, well, I liked—I liked—I liked this one best. I mean, I. <laughs> yeah. I find it very difficult to watch the old ones uh, when they come on the TV. Uh, very difficult. Very difficult. Uh, I like the films you and I have made together. Uh, I. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, this is a great note to end things on. Thank you guys so much for coming, and thank, thank you. you.
2: Thanks
3: very much.
0: Did you, hear about the Morgans release, did you hear about the Morgans' releases in theaters this Friday, December 18th? Uh, go check it out. It's a great film. Uh, we want to thank our guests, Hugh Grant, Sarah Jessica Parker, and director Mark Lawrence, and our moderator from USA Today, Donna Freakin. Uh, everyone have a great holiday, and we hope to see you next time.